You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Well, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And uh, because it's real, I know that, that God is paying attention to it. Now, there, there's a whole lot of stuff we make up in our lives, right? I mean, we, 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 make up, uh, we make up issues that aren't really issues. We make up stories that aren't really stories. The other day, uh, I was taking my dad. My dad has moved into assisted living, and I was taking uh, my dad. My dad has an eight-and-a-half-pound bass that he uh, caught years ago and had it, had it mounted. And so I was taking it to, I was taking it to his, uh, his assisted living apartment, and on the way in, I was carrying that, and the activities coordinator, she is a nut. She is perfect for her job, activities coordinator. She just keeps everybody rolling, laughing, and everything. And, you know, being in a, you know, in a place where everybody in the whole building has some, some form of, uh, you know, mental or, or dementia or some problem. I mean, you know, she does, she has to work really hard. She's perfect. She saw that. She kept making over it, making over it. Dad and I came back through one time. She had a bunch of bunch of uh, residents out there playing bingo, and, and uh, she started telling them about this bass. So I went and got the bass. I brought it back, and she, you know, and I was showing it to everybody, and she just made over. They, they cheered for my dad like he had just bought, uh, he had just caught the thing last week or something, you know. They cheered for him, and dad's just sitting there beaming, you know, like, <laughs> you know. And, she's, and then she started telling the story of how he caught the bass. Now, I've told this to my family over the past couple of weeks. She started telling the story. She don't know this story. My family looked at me like, how does she know this? She didn't know the story. She just started telling. He was out by himself on the lake in his boat. At, it was dark, and, and, he, and he finally caught this fish, and he had to get the, he had to get the, uh, the, the oar, and he had to hit it over the head, and then he, it jumped up, and he grabbed the net. And, 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 and again, Dad was beaming. And, everybody, and I know all these people in this room are in different states of understanding, you know, and it's like they're all thinking this is really, really true, you know. And I, I, and I you know, I want to ask her, can you preach my funeral? You know, <laughs> you know I, we make up a lot of stuff that happens in our lives, you know, and, and I, guess, I guess fishermen are probably the, the ones that, uh, you know, we, we kind of put that on more than anybody. We make up a lot of stuff. But the struggle's real. And God knows the struggle. He knows your struggle is real. He knows that. So, so what I want to say to you in, in this sermon series that we've been preaching, what I want to say to you is not ignore it. It'll go away. No, no, absolutely not. It's real. But you have a real God also. You know, Revelation chapter 21 tells us that he is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. There's going to be no more death. No sorrow, nor cry, no crying, no pain. We are promised a perfect life. But this ain't it. <laughs> okay? We're promised it one day, but that's in the, the next life that you and I have as a promise because we're following after him. We're promised that. But this isn't it. You are going to struggle. Okay, but let me start. I, I got to hurry. I, I know I need to hurry that. But let me, let me start by saying, by saying this. Uh, we have... A lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings about our struggles and sometimes we beat ourselves up because of the struggles that we have in our life okay 
So I want to, four, four misconceptions that we sometimes have about, and I'm going to try to run through these, and I, I, I know I can't, but I'm going to try to run through these as quick as I can. Four misconceptions we have when we struggle, things that we build up in our mind, things that we make up about our struggle, okay? The first one is this. Your struggles do not mean you are a bad person, okay? Because that's one of the things, we, oh, you know, I'm just a bad person. I, I minister to people like that all the time. You know, somebody that, well, you know, God can't bless me because I'm a bad person. God can't bless me because of what my history is, my past. You know, all that thing about how, and I think someone even read the scripture yesterday in a marriage conference about how God visits, you know, visits the, the iniquities of the fathers upon the sons, you know, for several generations. But it goes on there, doesn't it? And it says he, he visits the blessings and the promises and the thousands of generations of those who follow him. And so, you know, you, you, get to, you get to choose this. Okay, so, so ignore that. If, if that's what's going on, yeah, that's one just to ignore. Just consider, if you will, Job. You remember, y'all remember Job? Y'all ever heard of Job? I mean, even if you don't know his story, you've kind of heard of Job and, the, you know, the, just all the, the, the troubles that he went through. You know, and, and I mean, he lost pretty much everything. I heard one preacher say one time, he lost everything but his wife and the way his wife treated him, and he probably wished he'd have lost her too. You know, he lost just about everything in his life. But it didn't mean he was a bad person. Look how the story begins. There once was a man named Job. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. Can anybody stand up and say that of themselves in this room? He was a man of complete integrity. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. Yet he had all this trouble come into his life. His struggles did not mean he was a bad person. But just like Job, just like Job, you and I sometimes, we get caught in the crosshairs of the crossfire that is going on. Sometimes we are targeted just like Job was because of whose we are and who we belong to. So it doesn't, just because you're struggling, it doesn't mean that you're, you're a bad person. Okay, here's the second one. Your struggles, I'm, I said I'm gonna hurry through these, right? Your struggles do not mean you have messed up. See David for the example. Y'all know who David was? God said, you know, Saul, Saul, he's messed up. Saul's not following me anymore. I'm gonna go find me a king that'll be a man after my own heart. That's, that's who God called David. But you see what David deal, dealt with? He had a bear and a lion that came out after him. And, and you know what? He wasn't doing anything wrong. He had not committed any sin. He was out there doing the right thing. He was obeying his father, watching the sheep, and the lion came out. You know, and the way some of us act about, you know, trying to tie things to it, you know, it was like, oh, well, there's a lion attacking the sheep, so I must have done something wrong yesterday. You know, David hadn't done anything wrong. And then uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 14, David actually goes in and he, and he plays before Saul. He, he encourages Saul. He plays music to soothe Saul. And yet Saul begins to lash out at him. He throws his javelin at him a couple of times. And then he, he gets jealous of, of David and he starts chasing him all around. David stayed in the strongholds of the wilderness in the hill country of Ziph. Saul hunted him day after day, but God didn't let Saul find him. There's a... David's struggles weren't because he had done anything wrong. However, <laughs> your struggles don't mean you have messed up even though you have, right? We have messed up, but they don't necessarily mean that. Now, now I, I, I got to read you this. David was a man after God's own heart, but he messed up. You know, and so that's one of the things we do is, is we, we can't see ourselves in that place. It's like we're either good or bad. There's no way. No, sometimes there is that little bit of iniquity that's still there that we're battling over and we fight and we sometimes let it win. We sometimes let those things. But that doesn't mean that the struggles were part of that. David sent someone to find out who she was. 
He saw a woman. He sent somebody to find. Go, can, go see who that is. And so they came back and said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife. Okay, it should have ended there, right? <laughs> when he heard the wife, it didn't matter who she's the wife of. When he found out she was married, it should have ended, but it didn't. So David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. And he slept with her, and so thereby he committed adultery, but that wasn't the only sin he committed. Then he tried to cover it up. He tried, he tried to, I mean, I don't have time to tell this story, but he tried to cover it up by, by a couple of things. And one of the things was, is he actually sent her husband out into battle and arranged it so he would be in a place that he would probably get killed, and he was. All of that. So, so now wait a minute. That sounds like his struggles were because he had messed up. No, no, I'm going somewhere with this. Listen, understand, we sometimes, I mean, we, we, get, all o- we get all over, you know, the, the, the spectrum on this thing about struggles and, and, and what we do wrong and what, you know, some of us act like, well, it doesn't matter anything we do, you know, you know God's just going to overlook all of that. And some of us, like, every time God, we do a little thing wrong, we're expecting God to just rain down his judgment on us. You know, I've many times said that church I grew up in, they, they just, you know, it kind of had me believing God was sitting up there on his throne with a big black magic marker just waiting for me to mess up so he could scratch my name out, you know, and I'd have to start all over, you know. You know, and, and, and we're all over the spectrum with this. You know, I want you to get this first. Is all of your struggles don't happen just because you mess up, okay? And we're going to come back to that one, all right, uh, in a little bit. Your struggles do not mean God has ordained you to struggle. He has not chosen you to experience hardship or to endure pain or failure. See Moses. God did not say, Moses, I am calling you to endure hardship. I am calling you to pain. I have ordained that you will struggle for the rest of your life. No. He was called to lead the children of Israel to their promise. But you know what? Bring me that next one up. Uh, The struggles are what happens on the way to my purpose. Get that. The struggles are what happens on the way to your purpose. The struggles are what happens on the way to your victory. There's there's no victory that you win just free and cheap without any kind of struggle or any kind of battle. The struggles are what happens on the way, way to your promise. You are going to have struggles. Struggles are part of the process of God taking us from the place he finds us to the place he dreams we could be. There are always going to be struggles. And and number four, this last one is, your struggles do not mean God has forgotten about you. See Simon Peter. Simon Peter blew it. I mean, Simon Peter blew it again and again and again and again and again. But I think our biggest one, if if we were to rank them, we would probably say the biggest time he blew it was when he denied Jesus Christ. When he was being crucified, he denied that he knew him. Three times. And he went out and he wept. Went out to the garden and he wept bitter tears because he remembered Jesus said, you're going to deny me. I know you don't think, but you're going to deny. And he wept bitter tears. And a few days later, he told the other disciples, I'm going fishing. Now, now I'm preaching, so I'm gonna, I, I get to say it the way I think it's, it is, okay? You know, this, but this is what I think. I, I, I think Simon Peter just had this little bit inside of him that said, well, it's over. I've blown it so big now, nothing can fix it. I might as well go back to fishing. I think there was some little something inside of him that said it's over and I just got to go on because it's not going to be ever be the same. Jesus has died. He's already risen again. But how could it ever be the same after I denied that I even knew? And, and I kind of believe that that's what he did. Let me, let me say this. The fact that you struggle means one thing. 
It simply means that you are alive. Because as long as you live, you're going to have struggles. Wow, thanks for being so encouraging, Pastor. <laughs> no, that's just the way life is. There are going to be struggles. There are, there are going to be struggles in our life. But let me give you the good news. The good news is God has an answer for every single one of them. And you know, he didn't, he didn't just birth us as babies. These babies that we've dedicated, we know they're going to grow and they're going to have their own struggles, right? In the same way, God, when he birthed you as a, as a child into his kingdom, your spiritual birth happened, you're going to grow and you're going to have struggles in that life. But he is going to be there with everyone. And he's not just going to be there like, I'm here, buddy. You're going to make it. He is there with power. He is there with hope. He is there with grace. He is there with mercy. He is there with strength. He is there with the answer to all those questions that you don't have an answer for. He is there for your doubt. He is there with every, every, every potential problem that you're going to have the rest of your life. God has an answer. Now let's back up. And, and, and let's look at these four people again, our examples that we've already talked about real quick, right? Let's talk first about Job. God had an answer for Job. Now, it, it, it looked like it was a long time coming. Y'all ever read the book of Job? I mean, this is in chapter 42. Y'all, somebody, one of my, uh, my grandson mentioned Beowulf the other day. Anybody ever read Beowulf? Uh, I, I read most of it, you know. I was supposed to read it all. I read most of it. That was horrible. You know what? Let me tell you, the book of Job ain't much better. <laughs> I can understand the words better than Beowulf, but, I mean, it's, it is hard. He's got these three friends that come over, and they're, 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 I mean, we, we tongue-in-cheek called them his comforters, and they weren't. I mean, they were. Like, Job, you, you must have done something wrong. You know, you had to do something wrong. You must be a bad person. And he wasn't a bad person. I mean, it is hard, but then when he gets to the end of this, when Job prayed for his friends, those three comforters, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. Oh, and that reminded me of the Scripture that that Lexi was talking about earlier, Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Someone put this in context for me one day. He said, back up and look and read it, what happens before that. And it's like Israel is, you know, they've kind of already got in their head, you know, that this is the way things are like this. And like you and I, we get in our head, well, I, you know, my marriage can never be what it's supposed to be because of my mistakes and things I said, you know, and, and my, uh, you know, my, my job situation, my finances and all this. It can never be, you know, because I've, I've messed up too many things. And it's almost like Israel had the same kind of attitude. And God said, no. I know the, don't tell me what I'm planning for you. I know the plans I have for you. And they are not for disaster, but they are for good. They are to give you a future and hope. That's what God says to us today. That's what he's saying to you today. Uh, God, God always has a plan. No matter, no matter what's going on, God always has a plan. And it's always a good plan. Who, let me ask you, who in this room is struggling the most? No, don't raise your hand, Okay. But I know there are about four or five of you probably at least is saying, I am struggling more than anybody in this room. You believe that. You really believe that. Well, I want you to know whoever you are, and you believe you're struggling more than anybody, God always has a plan for your struggles, even right now. And it's a good plan. It's a good plan. The end of this thing is going to be good, just like, just like in Job. The end of this thing is going to, you just got to hold on to it. We'll talk about that in a moment also. But what about David? David, I, I, I'm hurrying because I got I to teach here in just a, a moment with this. David, 
Uh, this is 2 Samuel 22. Remember, David was running from Saul. Saul wasn't the only one chasing him. Okay, and when God finally delivered him from all these, David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. He sang, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me in my place of safety. He is my refuge, my Savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. Man, that's one some of you need to mark down and say, I need to read that about four times a day this whole week. And remember, think about where David is. David gets delivered, and now he's looking back, and he's saying, you know, God was the one. He was my Savior. He's the one that kept me. He's the one that delivered me. They, tr they tried to kill me. Saul had his armies chasing after me, and they still couldn't. Saul's armies, the armies of Israel could not find me because God kept me safe. God kept me hidden. But, but you don't get the whole story here because I, I didn't know if you could handle the whole song because there's eight more, eight more courses of this song right here. Go look at it in 2 Samuel 22. If you go to the sermon notes on the Connect page, I, I've got the whole thing listed there. Go over there and read it. And if you're struggling today, I dare you. I dare you take this out this afternoon and every single day this week read through this and just sing the song. Go ahead. That, that's the way they did it. You know, they didn't have a particular, a particular melody connected to these words. You don't have to have a band. Just sing your own song. Just, just sing your own song. Just, sing, just read that and just sing it to God. And sing it in faith, knowing that one day you're going to be where David was. You're going to get to that place where you see, look back and say, God was the one that took me through this, and I made it. But th that's not even the one I really want to tell you about David, because y'all remember what David did when he messed up? You remember how he committed adultery? Then he basically committed murder. I don't know what you call it, but it sounds like murder to me. And so the reason, he, the reason he was doing that is because Bathsheba ended up pregnant, and so he was having to try to cover it up. So that's why he wanted Uriah out of the way, her husband, because he could say, listen, I ain't, I ain't been to her. You know, I've been, on, I've been to the battle. I ain't been with her in, in months and months. So he had to cover it up. So David, when Uriah died, he took her in, and he married her. All right, now look. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. Okay, wait, wait a minute. Uh, they get married, then they're, they're, the baby is born, the baby dies. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, they're married, and slept with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and David named him. Y'all ever heard that name? Y'all know, know who he is? Well, I'll tell you one thing. He was the next king of Israel. He was the one who followed David on the throne of Israel. And he was known as the what man that ever lived? The wisest man that ever lived. Arguably the wisest man that ever lived. And the next king of Israel came from what? Came from this marriage. So God approves of adultery. You know, uh, when I was preparing the sermon, laying all this out, I had the thought when I, when I, thought, I typed that in, God, so God approves of adultery, question mark. And I had the, the, just the words of Paul just shout in my ears, God forbid. No, no, he doesn't approve of adultery. But you know what he does? God redeems our pasts. No matter what you've done, he redeems your past. And you know what I love? I, I, want, I wanted so bad to share this yesterday at our marriage conference. I got to speak just a little bit. But I thought, man, I, somebody else may want to share this. So I'll wait and save it for Sunday, you know. But it's, it's cool that it's not just any past. It, this is a bad marriage. Jake, Jake, when he started us off yesterday morning, 
Jake Barrett, he, he talked about dysfunction. He said, I hate that word, you know, talk about dysfunctional families because what God does is God takes our dysfunctional lives and he gives function or purpose to them. Oh, yeah, and that's what this is. I mean, this is a dysfunctional marriage right here. I mean, it was born out of adultery and deception and deceit and murder, and here we've got this, and you know what God does? He still redeems it. Somebody needs to hear this today. God even redeems bad marriages. He redeems our bad. He redeems our dysfunction. He redeems our mistakes. He redeems our problems. He redeems everything that we that doesn't just slip out of our fingers because we weren't holding it tight enough. The stuff that we mess up, God still redeems it. God still redeems everything that you're looking back at that has been a mistake, there's been a problem in your life. My goodness. I, I almost want to just stop here and let's have prayer. <laughs> because some of, some of you some of you saying, man, that's me. Then hang on to that. I, 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 got, I got to say just a couple more things. But hang on to that. God wants to redeem whatever is in your past. Let's go on to Moses now. Um, and this one, I need, about, I need about 20 minutes to really lay it out good, but I'm going to I'm try to do it in a hurry, okay? Moses is leading Israel through a wilderness. And when they came to the oasis of Merah, the water was too bitter to drink, so Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw that piece of wood into the water, and this made the water good to drink. Okay, uh, I had to look this up, you know, I, I, I've had to research this, and I, I've looked at it before, you know, before this past few weeks when I'm preparing this message, okay? I, I looked this up a long time ago, and there, there are basically two schools of thought on this. One, God said, I'm going to do a miracle, but I want you to throw a stick in there so people will realize that you did this as a result of me telling you to, and so I will get glory for it. And so God just does a miracle. The other school of thought is there are some woods, pieces of wood or trees or whatever, some of them are sweet. Some of them actually take bitterness out of water. And if you throw it in there, you know, that it would actually reduce the bitterness that is there. And you say, well, that sounds crazy. Well, you think about all the stuff that we do to our water. You don't drink water right out of the ground. I mean, it goes through purification things, and there's all kinds of stuff that we do to it to make it pure. So that, so either one of the, and so I know some people want to rely on that. So, okay, well, it probably was just a stick then, so it wasn't a miracle. Yes, it was, because Moses didn't know about that wood. He didn't know about those properties because God told him, there's the wood that you throw in there. So either way, God is at work here. You get that? I want you to get that, that God's at work in your lives. And some of the things that you just see as, as not being spiritual or supernatural, whatever, is exactly what God is doing in your life. And because God is not just supernatural and super spiritual. God is connected to the natural that is going on in your life. And so what he does in your life sometimes will look so, much, so very natural to just happen. And it just happens. Okay, so whichever way it happened, it happened. Okay, but then they went on down. This is verse 26 and 27. After leaving Merah, the Israelites traveled on to another oasis, the one of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there beside the waters. Um, if you've been around here a long time, you've heard me share this from uh, John Kilpatrick from uh, the Pensacola Assembly of God. I heard him speak some time ago when they were experiencing that great revival that they had and thousands were coming to know Jesus Christ. And, and he was talking about, you know, when we struggle, sometimes there are things in the way of God getting the promise to us. He's, he's working through some things. 
whether it's timing or, or whether it's a situation. And, and sometimes it's because my situation is connected to your situation, and you might be ready for your miracle, but I'm not ready for mine, and God's still working on me somehow. And so God can't bring us, and he, he, he talked about it being like a loaf of bread. You know, God can't bring you the whole loaf right now, but what he does is he just slices off a little bit and hands you a piece so you can get there until he can get the whole loaf to you. And that's what he did here. Did you see that? I mean, if they get to a place and they need a little bit of water, and so God says, I'm going to make this okay to drink, and so they do. And then he takes them on down the road, and now there's 12 springs of water, and they camp out there. I'm talking about, you know, it's like, it's like this one is just to get you by. This is a place where you're going to be for a while. This is your miracle, but God is still going to take care of some of that stuff just to get you to your miracle. Do you understand that's where you are today, some of you? You feel like you're struggling. You feel like it's all falling apart. But God has been giving you little bites, little slices of bread to help you hang on because you've got a big miracle. Twelve times what you're experiencing, the blessing that you feel today in your heart, twelve times that is what God's going to A whole loaf is what God is going to drop into your lap. When you, got, you see, oh, there, there's something you, you've got to get because, and it's between the two. The little miracle just to get you by and the full miracle. There's something in between there. It's verse 25. God is speaking to Moses. He's talking to Moses and he says, if you will listen carefully to the voice, and he's, telling, he's saying, say this to Israel, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. God is saying, I, I, you've gotten this little miracle, but I've got the whole loaf waiting on you. You just got to hang in here. You got to do what is right. You got to do what I've told you to do. You got to do what is in your heart and you know is right to do. And if you will, don't give up. Don't lose it. And man, this is where verse 25 is where I see so many people miss their whole loaf of bread. They're struggling. They're dealing with issues in their life and they come to God and they're begging and God gives them that little bit. And says, I think I can make it now. I don't need to go to church every weekend. I, I don't, you know, I could cancel one Sunday that I'm scheduled to work in the nursery and go do something for me. I can blow off working at teens one Wednesday night. You know, it's just we don't stick with our commitments and things. Listen, some of you, you've started in the past and you got distracted. You got distracted by your struggles, or maybe you even got distracted by the first part of the miracle that God has given to you. And like, I can make it now. You got distracted. You lost sight of the focus of where we're going with this. And you maybe even lost your faith for a little while. And you're walking with him again today. Keep walking. You're at verse 25 right now. Keep walking. There's a whole loaf in God's plan for your life. Don't lose. I'm, I'm speaking to some individuals right now, very specifically. I believe God laid this on my heart to share with somebody. Don't lose this. You're starting. Keep walking. Don't settle for. Don't settle for that first little bit. Just say it. I want it all. 
I want it all. I think, that, I think about that so many times when, when David wrote Psalms 23 and he talks about how, how, how God spread out a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I think about how he does that. So many times I think about this. And I, I've shared this sometimes on Sundays, but I, I think about this so many times on a Sunday morning about how God has just spread out. There's just a table of blessings here, and he wants to give it to all of us. And I think about how full that table still is after Sunday morning because we just leave so much that is there. But maybe not just Sunday morning in all of our lives. There's so much that we leave behind. Don't lose sight of it. You know, that first part of this sermon, a lot of that was about how we, we need somebody to blame. Amen? We like to have somebody or something to blame, you know? And that's what we do. We look for the booger bear behind everything, don't we? And if we're not careful, this is what it'll get us right here. We'll start looking for the booger bear. Why we got messed up in the first place, stop looking for the, for the problem behind the struggle and keep your eyes focused on the one who has the answer to your struggle. You don't need to dig up the last 20 years to figure out where you're going the next five minutes. God's already figured it. He's already healed all that in the past, and he is going to take care of tomorrow too. You see, here's the thing. Our struggles, that next slide, our struggles are the opportunity to see God do something awesome. Our struggles are the opportunity to believe him for something awesome and be involved in something awesome. And that's three different things there. And I don't know if you see it, but that's three different things there. And I want all of them. I don't want to just see him. I want to be involved in him doing something awesome. And you know, the people at that first oasis, they saw him do something awesome. Maybe that, that second oasis is when they got to be a part of him doing something. I want that too. And I hope you get that as well. Last one. This is the last one. We're wrapping this up. I promise. God's answers for your struggles, Simon Peter. Um, Luke 22, verse 32, this is Jesus speaking. And he's speaking directly to Simon Peter. He said, I know you're going to mess up. And I pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. What he actually says right before that is Satan wants to take you from me. He wants to pull you apart. He wants to destroy you. But I've prayed for you. Simon, that your faith should not fail. But what he's telling him, you are going to fail. Listen, listen what Jesus is saying here. He knows Simon Peter is going to fail, but he says, I prayed that your faith doesn't fail. You're going to mess up. You're going to fail. You're going to blow it. And I got, I got good news for you. Jesus already knows you're going to blow it. You know, that last time you blew it last month or whatever, he knew you were going to blow it, okay? But he says this. But I've prayed for you that even though you fail, that your faith does not fail you. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. There was a timeline. You know, there was a, t a point in Simon Peter's life where he was going to blow it. Jesus is talking to him before that and says, I know you're about to blow it. And then I also know that you're going to repent. We read that scripture, right? You saw it. You know, he went out and cried and wept bitter tears of repentance. You're going to fail. And when you repent, then strengthen your brothers. You need to see this because when you fail, I know, what, I, know, I, I know what I do, and I assume you do the same thing. It's when I fail. Well, God can't use me anymore like that. I mean, how how can, God, can God use me when I fail like that, when I talk to someone like that, when um, 
I handle the situation as I handled it. I just slip up and I do something I should not have done. How can God? And so, but here's the thing. Understand, put yourself in the same place. You're just like Simon Peter, no different. Jesus is talking to you about ministry when he knows you're about to blow it and then you're going to repent and then he's going to put you back into some kind of ministry. He already knows, he already knows you blew it. He knew it before you knew you were going to blow it. He knew you were going to blow it, and he still talks to you about ministry. Looks what, looks what he does in John chapter 21. This is after it. He asks him three times, do you love me? He says, I do, and he says, feed my sheep. Three times he says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And then in Acts chapter 2, Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, and he preached the first message of the church, the first sermon, and 3,000 souls were saved that day. When did that happen? It happened after he failed, after he repented. When Jesus told him, I know you're going to blow it. I know you're going to mess up. You're going to have struggles because you blow it and you mess up at time to time. But I want you to get your attention off of that. And when you have repented, and when you realize you've blown it and you've repented, then I'm going to put you back into, into some kind of ministry because you have also something awesome to do for Jesus. God, I don't know who needs to hear this. God has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. Because his, you see, his mind doesn't work the way ours does. Since he knows what's going to happen, his mind doesn't work like this. Oh, you blow it, and now he's written you off. You're done. Get that magic marker out. Scratch your name out. No, he knew. He knew you were going to blow it. And this is just part of your process, of your struggles, of your mistakes, of your past. But he redeems your past. Oh, man. Some of you just need to go back. Please look at these sermon notes again this week. Especially if you're struggling, look at these sermon notes again this week and remember these things that God spoke to you. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.